Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Robo Report podcast. I'm in Stockholm, which is a little far away from my own home. Um, I'm with, I would say, someone's favourite ever Swede. We've got competition from Stefan Schwartz. Yeah. Sebastian Larsson, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, tired, cold. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I know it's freezing over here at the moment. We had spring was coming last week. I, I forgot about it because I haven't been in Sweden during spring for so long but um, yeah spring's definitely slower here than in England that's for sure How are you enjoying being back home? Oh, it's been great obviously for me and the family you know I had 17 years in England uh, my wife was over there for 14 and, and both our kids uh, were brought up there mainly in the northeast so yeah. um, I, I think we just got to the point where we felt it was the right time to go back to Sweden and, and try and sort of give the kids that stability of knowing they're going to be in one place for a little while. And it's been great, obviously. I, I came midway through last season and we were, obviously, we, we were successful with it. I came in the league for the first time in, in nine years, which was fantastic. Uh, and now we've just started again. So uh, yeah. we crack on. So are your kids Sunderland fans? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, that's the one stadium of light. It's the one stadium they've been to more than anything else. They were always at the games. They always, uh, more or less, every home game with my wife. They used to go and and, and they enjoyed it. They might they, maybe they didn't always watch the, the football that much, but they loved yeah. the the surroundings and and you know just being in the stadium with a lot of people and and I I think it really felt like home for them. You know, that's one of the things that I that I would love to do is uh, go back and and sit in the stand, the Stadium of Light, and watch a game as a fan. Um, I always keep track of the scores now. I've been I've been able to watch a couple of the games and just touch wood. They'll go back up to the championship this year. I always like to start with like a kind of standard, easy question before we get difficult. So I move okay. into a false sense of security. <laughs> um, but you played for us for six seasons mm. with a lot of different partners. Mm. Who's your favourite and why? Oh, good question. Uh, I'd have to say when I... When I uh, later in my Sunderland career, when I played in the middle of the park, I, I always enjoyed playing with cats. 
first of all, it's, it's, it's a very good friend of mine. It's a guy that I got along with really well. And you always knew what you were going to get. Uh, there was no... Um, you know, no hiding from his side. Um, and if he needed to tell you off, he would bollock you and, and yeah. vice versa. And, and I enjoyed that. I think that's the way it should yeah. be. And sort of he always gave you that bit of protection as well, if you like. Uh, he was always willing to sort of do clean up for you if you made yeah. a mistake and put his foot in or put his head in or whatever. So uh, I really enjoyed playing with him. Like you said, there were so many different players I Early on, uh, I enjoyed playing with uh, when I was on the wing with with Bardsley. Again, another very honest guy. But that's I like that. Yeah, uh, I like knowing what I, who I'm playing with, and I'm, and I like to think that people would, would say that about me being honest. And and uh, yeah, um, you don't always have the best game, but um, you always try your best. hundred percent. Um, so th- those are sort of the partners that I that I really enjoyed playing with. There, there was many, but uh, if I Pick two in two different positions, I'd say those two. Good choices. Mm. Uh, so we'll take you all the way back to the beginning, which I think most of us remember quite clearly. I know that one of the obvious answers when I say why Sunderland would be, well, Steve Bruce, your former manager, mm. someone that you got on with very well. So mm. away from Steve Bruce, mm. was there with the clubs interested and in why Sunderland? Yeah, there was definitely interest uh, from... You know, my main focus was staying in England. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, I've always loved England and especially the Premier League. Uh, so when the opportunity for me was was there to, to stay in England, uh, that was my number one priority. Uh, there was quite a few clubs in England that, that showed interest, but it became pretty clear pretty quick for me that Sunderland was my number one target. Um, yeah, one reason was Steve Bruce. Uh, I'd worked with him previously and and I enjoyed working with him. But then Sunderland felt like the right step. It felt like a, a big step up for me coming from Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, the size of the club, the facilities, the stadium, the training ground, the support you get week in and week out. And uh, for me at the time, there was a clear sort of path of what the club was trying to do, trying to push on to the next level. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we're getting to that later on. It didn't quite work <laughs> out. But yeah. for me, it was... It felt like a fantastic choice. And honestly, I and this is really honest, I've been asked the questions before. Uh, I've never regretted the choice. Someone wanted me to ask, and I suppose it's it's on the line with uh, sort of a more basic question, but mm. you scored some absolute beauties, let's be honest about it. What was your favourite? I didn't score as many late on in my Sunderland career, but uh, no, uh, yeah, I scored a few good goals. I would say two. I would say for obvious reasons, my my competitive debut against Liverpool uh, because it was a type of goal that I don't score very often as well and at Anfield to, to give us a point. Yeah, That's just uh, exactly the, the start you want at a new club. So that was fantastic. Um, and then I would say there was a free kick away uh, away to Arsenal as well, which was which was good. Uh, in that case, unfortunately, uh, I think it was Robin van Persie scored a, a free kick of himself, um, himself late on. To, so they won the game 2-1. But... Um, Good choices. I would yeah. For, for sheer how, how drunk I got afterwards, I picked Blackburn <laughs> at home. But, um, yeah, so oh, yeah, that, that's true. But <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure if I would have scored against Newcastle, I'm sure I would have said that, but uh, unfortunately we'll I didn't. We'll get to that bit. <laughs> Your first season, you scored, if my memory if my memory is right. <laughs> he is a mad Sunderland fan. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. But uh, he's our assistant coach. For the purpose of the recording, someone just showed a photo of your assistant coach. Oh, assistant coach. Yeah, yeah. And he... Um, Swedish? 
He's Swedish, yeah, but he follows. Uh, he comes in and talks about every game. Oh, did you see him? And he tries. He watches most games when he can. Obviously, when we don't. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a really, We should have had him in. Yeah, we should have. Try and get him <laughs> in at the end. So I think um, your first season, as I was saying, you, you, I think it was nine goals. And he says me right. Um, and most of them were from, I think you started on the left, weirdly enough, but then mm. obviously moved to the mm. right. And then most of your time at Sunderland was spent in the centre of midfield. Mm. I think that's how most of us remember you. Mm. But were you quite frustrated when it first happened that you were moved from the right after such a good season into the middle? Uh, a bit of both. I wouldn't say frustrated. I, I kind of felt it was coming myself because mm. obviously the, the older you get, you sort of you change the way you play a little bit. and But for me personally, I think the main reason was that football was kind of changing a little bit. Yeah. From, I was the typical wide man that I, I like working hard up and down the wing and using my right foot to, to cross the ball. Yeah. Um, and try and get into the box. And it became clearer and clearer that most teams started playing with the, the the good foot into the field and wanted like the fullbacks to be the ones crossing the ball and, and for yeah. me then I didn't feel like I could get everything out of my game so I think it just became natural when when that sort of change happened I guess the the frustrating thing early on was probably that moving into a position where you where it took a bit of time where you felt like you were kind of looking for how should I be getting the best out of my game now yeah. um and just getting used to playing in a different position. I'd played a lot of centre midfield when I was younger, but then obviously throughout my career in England, I was on the wing. Um, but I think football just kind of changed, so it became natural that I kind of switched positions. When Martin O'Neill came in, now obviously you mentioned about uh, Steve Bruce before his manager mm. you worked under, but by the time you were here, he was gone in like three months. Mm. Um but in a really odd way, one of the best memories I have of Sunderland is that three-month period where Martin O'Neill came in. Mm. And, and you sort of kicked that off with that goal mm. against Blackburn, which we talked about before we were recording. Um, what is it that Martin O'Neill changed and why do we play so well in that three-month? Good question. I wish I wish we would have known exactly why, because then I'm sure it would have, <laughs> yeah, continued. It would have continued for a longer <laughs> period of time. But no, listen, we like I said, we... We managed to win that first game. We were in a tricky situation. We, we were 1-0 down. We were losing quite late into the game. David Vaughan scored a cracker to equalise. Um, and I managed to score a free kick right at the end. It just kind of gave everyone a lift. Um, you could sense the the positive feel around the place. Um, and we just kind of kicked on. And I think when Martin came in, he was... Because we got that good start, he was kind of like, he just, everything lifted, the mood lifted. Yeah. And he kind of just let people go. And I know it might sound simple and, and that, but when we were in that good period, I think we, didn't we win five straight games in the league? Or, we were scoring like 30 yeah, screamers, we, last minute winners, so, so, so. And things were just going going well for us. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to say exactly why, but at, at that stage, it, it, was a, it was a happy place and a good place. Yeah. It was a great place around mm. that sort of time. You played under a lot of managers. Obviously, we've mm. touched on Martin O'Neill. Uh, we've touched on Steve Bruce already, sort mm. of. But who was your favourite manager you worked under? In a way, I'd, I'd say Martin O'Neill for the simple reason that we were there during such a... When we were in that happy period, in that good place, and we were moving in the right direction, and we, 
yeah, it was just a positive feel around the place. Uh, I know that changed uh, yeah. later on in his tenure there, but um, for that reason, I'd say him. Uh, I think the way he wanted things done suited my own view on things quite well. And then again, um, which might sound a bit strange, like like you said, Steve Bruce was only there for three months, and towards the end, we were we were not in a, you know, we weren't winning football games, and no. we were struggling a bit. But obviously, I have a. I have a longer relationship with him sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll always be grateful for he was the guy that brought me brought me to Sunderland. Um, so I'd, and I think we also had... I also liked, um, liked Gus Poyer's ideas of how he wanted to play football, what he wanted to do with the team. And, and I remember speaking to Katz about this during his time there and, and after he had left. I know other things changed and it became yeah. difficult with the fans and so on. And, and maybe it was a bit outspoken about certain things yeah, at times. Um, but you felt like you felt like you were progressing as a player. Um, and it was very clear what uh, how he worked in training. And, and you felt like this this could make me a better player. So he was he was someone I enjoyed working under as well. Uh, I, I did enjoy most managers, to be honest, but but there are spells. Um but I'd say Martin O'Neill, um, Steve Bruce, for, for the reasons I've said, uh, and Spells during Gus Poya as well. Who do you think you played your best football under? Probably have been Spells under Martin O'Neill. Um, I, on a personal level, I felt quite comfortable and quite good early on at the start of the summer. I know we weren't picking up results, but I scored a few goals early yeah. on under Steve Bruce as well. I, I felt very confident in, in, in what I can contribute to the team. Um, so yeah I guess those two yeah cool um, on or maybe a more and more negative side mm-hmm. uh, you played under some other managers mm. uh, one of them very very controversial uh, <laughs> of course um, now we I've, I've spoken to Bardo myself mm. um, and we've interviewed a few people from that period mm. uh, from Bardo downwards we should say mm. um, how was your personal experience with Paolo because from a fan's perspective, you give mm. us that amazing days and James was yeah, yeah. You could just see the players weren't enjoying it. And I and I get that. And I know and I know, listen, I know how what it means. And I was there long enough for it to mean that much to me as well. Yeah, uh, those games. Um and how special they were. So I totally get that thing and uh, the affection you get for a manager, you know, sliding on his knees at St. James's Park after a three 0 win. Um if I was just a fan, I'd feel the same. Yeah, uh, I remember we beat Everton at home one nil, and he was kind of when everyone left, he went onto the pitch, and and he was, I guess, very good at that. Yeah, uh, playing along with the fans, and uh, not playing along, but getting the fans yeah, on your side, which was good for us at the time, of course. Yeah, um, but listen, I don't know how to sum that up uh, without speaking for ages. It was a very sort of strange, surreal. I would say this when he when he first came in, um, I think we had sort of like maybe. Six or seven games left of the season. Seven or so, yeah. Um, and we worked really hard. We worked long. But, you know, we kind of said, this is, we need to do this. We need to stay in the league. There's no, there's no other way. And I think, well, I'd say one thing. I think he got a lot of football knowledge. I think he sees the game, sees tactical things, yeah. knows about the game a lot. So I'd say that first period, the end of that season, was very positive. Yeah, you could see certain things that he wanted to do things completely different to previous managers, but but hey, that's the way it is sometimes. Yeah. 
But for me, when it really started getting strange was first day back after for preseason the next year. Uh, I remember he he was completely different, and he mentioned things like, "Okay, last year I've done things your way. Now it's time for you to do things my way." And we were kind of like, "Well, what does it mean with that?" We were, you know, things worked out last yeah. year. It was a positive feel, um, and then. You know, it was it was it was just a surreal time. It wasn't a long time, but I know you know there was things like telling um, our masseur at the time that had been there the longest time that he wasn't wasn't allowed to travel with the team because he was talking person. yeah talking yeah. too much to the players and he was being too happy and all of a sudden you know he was he was a big part of our squad the, the whole thing yeah yeah, yeah and everyone loved him he was. And it, those things, and it just became negative. You could see it from from players walking through the door in the morning to staff, to the the people in the kitchen, to the cleaning ladies. No one was smiling. Yeah, it just became a poisonous place, to be honest. And yeah, if people could say that. Yeah, you're blaming someone else, and so on and so on, and, and so be it if that's the case. But it it became an environment that was impossible to work in. Yeah. Um, just became poisonous. Um, and, you know, I, I think, unfortunately, the sooner things change, it, the better it was. Regarding the change, um, I spoke to to Mike Clegg. Yeah. About before, and uh, he, he touched on it ever so slightly about the, the meeting that was allegedly meant mm. to happen. And he mentioned about um, John O'Shea, uh, Carlos Queller, I think, had sort of. I mean, did, did that meeting actually take place? Where With you the asked, manager, uh, I think, along the lines where you asked, uh, sort of, maybe I was short to be like, look, we can't work under this anymore. Yeah, listen, I was never part of any any such phone calls um, yeah. speaking. So, uh, but but no, I don't think that was the case. That we or someone. I guess, was it John that was the captain at the time? Yeah, he was, yeah. Uh, would have phoned up and, and sort of said, sack him or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was there a, uh, what's the word, a brewing uh, negativity from the squad towards the manager? Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Uh, did we sit down and, and have a meeting and talk about things? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we sort of felt like we had to because it was a, it was a case of things were so negative Um mm-hmm the way I described. So we said, we'll have a meeting, we'll discuss things. Um, and I think it was pretty clear that the majority felt like this is, you know, this is not going to work in the long run. Yeah. Uh, and exactly what happened there after that, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, but I also know there was a meeting, which I've unfortunately wasn't allowed to be a part of. It was after the West Brom game. I wasn't in the squad for, for reasons that I still... Uh, I know the reasons, but I don't know who who made them up. Um, what were the reasons? I was told uh, we played Arsenal at home uh, the game before. I think I when, think it was an afternoon international when break. When scored the goal, and they got disallowed. Yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I came back from international duty. We had a session. I, I don't remember the exact details, but I was I was uh, I think John was injured at the time, and, and maybe a couple of lads that would normally be captain. Mm-hmm. Um, came to the stadium expecting to I don't think we'd been given the team but I was fully expecting to play yeah for you know tactical work and stuff and I was just kind of told you're on the bench okay um, and that was it 
I was very frustrated, warmed up the whole game, never came on. Uh, I was kind of thinking, why, what's happened? And then turned up at training. I'll try and make a long story short. Turned up at training the next day. Um, all of a sudden, they split the group and, okay, midfielder strikers that way, defenders that way. So I started walking to the midfielders and the assistant manager said, no, Seb, you're down there. Okay, what's, what's happened there? Anyway, that happened for a few days until I, I, I went to the system manager after and said, why, why do I keep training with the defenders? What, what the hell's happened here? And he was like, no, that's just the way it is. So obviously, in the end, I, my agent at the time phoned, well, not at the time, my agent phoned up uh, Defante, the, the sporting director, yeah. whatever it was, trying to get some answers because I didn't get any. And then Defante phoned him back saying, um, apparently, um, I had been... Not physically fighting with the, uh, the uh, not the physio, the, the fitness coach. He had an Italian fitness coach. Yeah, Donatelli? Donatelli? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name. Uh, and it was just a story made, out of, made up out of the blue that I refused to warm up for the Arsenal game was one thing, which never happened. And I'd been swearing in his face. I'd been calling him all sorts, which never happened. We never had an argument. Um, and, and we said, this is crazy. This has never happened. We don't know what's going on. Uh, anyway, got closer to the West Brom game. Uh, wasn't in the squad. There was a meeting after that game. I think called by the manager because obviously it wasn't a great game. Um, and from what I've heard, like I said, uh, that became a very heated meeting um, where all sorts of things were said yeah. um, both ways. And obviously that was his last game. Yeah. So, I wish I was in that meeting, but unfortunately yeah. I wasn't. Me and <laughs> couple of lads, we had to sit in the gym and wait. Because uh, we weren't part of the squad at that time, according to him. Bardo wasn't even allowed in the... Uh... No, exactly. So I guess maybe if he would have stayed longer, maybe <laughs> I would have been with Bardo. Was. You never know. Um, one thing I've probably gone too far into, because we've gone down the, the, the rabbit hole of Paolo Di Canio. Mm. Um, one of my favourite Seb Larson memories is City at home. Now, mm. with G scores, everyone mm. remembers G and Cessnion, but everyone's seen the whole build-up and that mm. was a great day. Mm. You had flu and you passed mm. out. <laughs> what, what's <laughs> your memories of the day? <laughs> um, no, I remember basically what you described, that I didn't feel well uh, the previous day. I know the doctor came to my house and um, whatever, flu type thing. Um, but listen, you, you don't want to miss a game like that and I no. sort of agreed that, yeah, we'll give it a go. Um, and basically, I remember that. So I think I was just stood there with hands on my knees. And, <laughs> and we scored the winner late on. And, and But there was just nothing left to go celebrate. So, but listen, you, you still enjoy it just as much. I was just a little bit extra tired. Yeah, good memories. We've talked about Paolo. Uh, mm. And then obviously, because Poirier came in. And mm. once Poirier came in, I think, I don't too much think it was that Poirier was so positive. I think the negativity around there just the Canio going mm. pretty much anyone could have came in at that point, but he also mm. had a philosophy and an idea. And of course that got us towards Wembley, mm. which was amazing. Mm. Um, and everyone, everyone had the, the greatest day and mm. the great run and the, the great escape and everything. But we did lose at Wembley, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I heard that you spoke about, you know, you spoke about Wembley not so long ago. Yeah, um, and you discussed how the fact that we did lose, you know, mm. people people don't remember the losers, but mm. we had a great day. Mm. What's your memories of Wembley? No, listen, that, and that's, I remember going to the stadium, going to Wembley, seeing all the Sunderland fans. Uh, you know, when you're sitting on the bus like that, it gives you goosebumps. Yeah. Because it was like, it was just red and white. You didn't see no blue or nothing. No. <laughs> it was just Sunderland all no over. Much. 
uh, and you just you want to win for yourself because it's a it's a major competition, it's a final. But you you so badly want to win for the fans to give them something as well, especially when when I've been at the club for a while. Um, it's like four seasons, then, maybe. yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, and obviously, I've been to Wembley once previous, been an underdog and managed to win and know what that felt like. Um, and I also remember in the warm up, we warmed up very close to the Sunderland fans. And, and I, honestly, you could just, when the roar came and we was warming up, the adrenaline was just pumping. Uh, I guess it's those type of moments that you'll never forget. And that's the reason you play football. Um, so there's a lot of positive memories, but like I said, I don't I don't want to sound too negative on it. But at the end of the day, it's a final. You either win or you lose, regardless of being favourites or not. Yeah, yeah. Am I proud of being part of the team that got to got to Wembley for, with Sunderland uh, in a major competition? Yeah, for sure. Um, but that disappointment of losing, especially being one 0 up and feeling like you know what we're we we're well. doing okay here. Yeah. We, we were felt. Fairly comfortable. If you can ever feel comfortable against against City, um, there'll always be disappointment. Yeah, imagine how good it could have been. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that's really that's how I remember it. If you like, yeah. We talked a little bit about this before we recorded. Uh, so one of my favorite memories ever is being Newcastle. Numerous times as it was, Mine too. but the one in the last <laughs> minute was fantastic, and. Um, I remember, like, I rang, I rang my family and stuff like that as the, the first goal went in. And I was chatting on the phone, like, well, shouting down the phone and celebrating mm. with, like, the people I'd rang because I thought that was it. Mm. And then you burst through on goal. Mm. Now, there's two parts of this. So I'll, I'll word the question as best I can. Mm-hmm. One of the best memories I have of you, and I always talk about it, is when the first goal went in, you patted the badge right in front mm. of the Gallagher. And I loved that because mm. it was right in their faces. Mm-hmm. But say you rounded the goalkeeper, mm. which you did, mm. say that one in the bottom corner, we want to know, mm. how would you have celebrated it? Oh, God knows. I, I really enjoyed that part. I enjoyed playing at St. James's Park for Sunderland. And I loved going out to take corners. I loved when you looked them in the face and they were just so angry, yeah. so kind of disgusted with you. And, I, and this is true. I, I tried to walk as slow as I could to take it all in. Because you just know those are special games. Yeah. And obviously then when you're beating them away from home, you can just give them a little smile. That's all you need to do to get me even angrier. Yeah. Um, and that's the best feeling ever. So I don't know if I would have... That's, that's my one regret when it comes to Newcastle games that I didn't manage to score. I was close a couple of times, but I never managed to get on the score sheet. That was um, the closest. <laughs> that was the closest. That should have been a goal. That's, yeah. I, I remember the situation. I remember like almost falling over and... And next thing I've hit the side netting and it's like, oh Jesus, just blow the whistle now to make sure we're doing But no, listen, some my first ever memory was obviously a bad one. We lost one in at home to Newcastle. Um, Your second game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of when you okay, I don't ever want this to happen again. And you didn't. And we didn't, exactly. A couple of draws in there, I think. Uh, was the second game was a draw, and possibly the third one was a draw. My third game as well. We drew uh, yes. away that, that season. They equalised late on, I think. Did. And then, I think we drew the following game at home. And then I think we went on a... Yeah, you set the... I think you set the goal up then. Yeah, we, well. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, so those were obviously three games in, one defeat, two draws. And then we went on that run, um, which was brilliant. 
What do you think was your best performance in a derby? Because if memory serves me right, you got man of the match in the first 3-0. Yeah, I remember that being a game where, where things obviously went well and it's, it's difficult to say anything else when you beat your, your biggest rivals away from home 3-0. But um, it's a game that, you know, you feel yourself that things are working out the way you want them to. And not to like, talk myself up, but I, I quite I, I really like them games. Um, so, you know, overall, I, I felt like I had some decent performances against Newcastle. And yeah, like I, like I described, I just loved that atmosphere and yeah. playing in those games and yeah, possibly, make, or obviously makes it a lot easier to say when you're on that run and you, yeah. <laughs> you beat them all the time. Around that sort of time frame as well, um, sort of with Poirier and things like that, mm-hmm. we're obviously discussing a few different contracts with a few different players. Mm. I think it was, I think it was Bardo, um, he who shall not be named, callback, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and yourself. So you did sign the contract. Mm. Uh, I think you renewed for a further two years. The other two boys didn't. Yes, like three years. I signed. Three years. That's theory, correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you ever consider leaving at that point? Um, I guess it depends what "consider leaving" means. Did I think about my future? Yes. Did I think? Did I kind of slow things down and go well? What 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 was best for me? What do I want to do? Kind of thing. Yeah, I, I had that period, but was I ever close to going somewhere else? No, no. Um, there was interest shown, but from what I remember, uh, we went away after the season, went on holiday with my family. Um, my agent phoned up with, with a couple of clubs that showed interest. Then, if I'm not mistaken, it was Lee Congerton that had come in at that time. Yeah. Gus Poyer was the manager. I remember going, I went on international duty with Sweden. Yeah. In a hotel room in Denmark. And I had a phone conversation with Congerton and uh, Poyer about the future. And um, that's kind of when I decided, no, I want to stay. First of all, because I loved the place. Uh, Me and my family were settled. We were happy in the area. Um, And again, I think... I think one of my biggest regrets is that there were so many times that we went into the summer break with such a positive feel. Especially that summer. Yeah. And like, this is the time to kick on. Surely now, you know, we've, sh- we've shown what we can do. How you felt so, you left uh, for your holidays so happy, looking forward to next season already. Yeah. And then things happened and we never kind of kicked on. And and yeah, that's definitely one of my biggest because I think there was some, there was definitely a good few years where we had such as a club such good opportunities to kick on and and progress to the next level. Yeah, but for different reasons, we never did. Uh, but no, I was never close to leaving that. Uh, I was very happy signing again, and and I could see a brighter future. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, for sure. Otherwise, you know, obviously, as you've got a short career, if if I thought things were gonna turn out the way they did. Obviously, maybe I would have considered something yeah. else, but there was, the, you know, I, I was, I just felt really good. And you won Player of the Year following that season, is that right? Yeah, the season season season, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then you had an injury the season later, yeah, unfortunately, and Alvarez when Amvila, Kirchhoff, and all that mm-hmm. came in. Um, mm-hmm. One question I wanted to ask with that is, you, you'd been a regular for, I want to say, four or five seasons at that mm-hmm. point. And then you got that injury, which pretty much put you up for the majority of the season, I think. 
Yeah, I started. Um, I'm trying to think back. Obviously, when when did exam come in? Was it sort exam of? came in in October? October, yeah. Advert uh, left around. I think it was the West yeah. Hungary. That's right. So he came in, and I I started having some issues with my knee, um, but kind of not at the stage where I felt I needed to have surgery or anything. And then um, and then I kind of like yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't regularly being put in the team by Sam. Yeah. And to write it to, to start with, and then I remember being sort of recalled, and we won. I can't remember who, but we won two games consecutive games. Was it possibly we beat Palace away? It wasn't that Palace away in Stoke at home. Yeah, exactly. And I started both those games, and I, you know, great. I remember playing against Stoke at home, and I felt like I was having a good performance, and that's when I hurt my knee. I remember where it was. Um, down in the corner, I went to do a back heel and kind of got stuck a little bit and I, I felt that something happened in my knee. And just when I got back in the team, we won two straight games and that was sort of me out for, for yeah, not far off the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tried everything, not to have surgery and different things. I was, I was flying back and forth to Barcelona, I remember, getting injections, went down to London. I got back towards the end of the season um, but never felt right. Uh, and you kind of, you're thinking, oh, it's gonna, it just takes time. But then it just deteriorated again. Uh, so that was, yeah, a frustrating time. How was, how was your relationship with Allardyce? Um, it was okay. It was nothing, I, I guess the way you, you'd sum it up is that I don't think that I was his type of player, uh, that he would prefer in that position. Mm-hmm. And um, he probably didn't play the football that I think that I preferred to play because I don't think yeah. it suited my game, my game the best. So I guess sometimes things just don't click the way yeah, maybe they could. And, and that's not being negative towards anyone. Or that's just the way it was. But there was no, no problems in the relationship. No, not at yeah. all. Got a couple more. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to move on to... Someone you, you did play a lot under. You came back from under in, uh, from injury, mm. and by the time you got back fully fit, well, to an extent, because I know you had another injury actually. Mm. Um, David Moyer came in. Mm. Now, I, I'd be honest with you, I haven't heard much positive, and as a fan, I don't feel very positive. Mm. But you, the, what, what the, the question I want to ask because you've obviously got you played under Bruce, you played under Paolo, you played under Gus. Play some really good moments mm. and some really difficult moments. Mm. So I think you are well placed to answer why it maybe went wrong and the Moyes. What was so different about Moyes that we just couldn't? Well, we went down with a whimper as mm. opposed to mm. just like yeah, getting. No, there's no hiding yeah. from it. Uh, and I've always said that ultimately, at the end of the day, um, there's eleven players on the pitch at one time, and 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 you don't. 99.9% of the time, you don't go, you don't get relegated by being unlucky. It's as simple as no. that. If you get relegated, you deserve to get relegated. And you have to take that responsibility. And that was the case that year as well. Uh, I think there are a number of reasons. Um, I think I think it was a difficult period when, when Moyes came in. I remember being on international, the, the Euros during the summer, uh, me and John O'Shea had like an extra week off. We we flew down to France, I think, for our preseason camp. Um, and I think first team players, it was sort of like 
there was barely anyone there. We were a very small squad at the time. It was full of uh, under 20, what's it called now, under 23 players there. Yeah. Um, I think it was sort of a time where <laughs> the owner had really decided to to shut up shop, yeah. uh, so to speak, uh, more or less. Um, and I also think that we were on a, a negative spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it was um, so much negativity around the place. Do you think he brought the, more of it though, with comments like being in a relegation? Well, after, yeah, yeah, after a few for games. sure. I don't think that helped. It doesn't help anyone because ultimately you have to do things together to try and lift it. Yeah. But I'm just trying to put the uh, how I looked at it. I think we were definitely going in the wrong direction when he came in. Uh, and he came in a difficult situation. But I do also think that I remember that comment. And as a player, you go, whoa. Yeah. That doesn't exactly fill you with positivity and uh, confidence and belief. Yeah. That's basically your manager saying, my players aren't good enough. Okay, I guess that that's the way it turned out, but that's not what you want to hear two games yeah. into a season. My personal view is, I think he was really hurt by what had happened previously. Um, from what I heard, obviously, I'd, I had my view on him beforehand as a very lively uh, character on the yeah. sidelines, someone that could really, you know, you, can, you don't want him angry kind of thing. But that's not the experience I had when I had him as a manager. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I think he was really hurt by what had happened at, at um, United. And then, obviously, he didn't have the best of times at um, in Spain. Good. Yeah. And obviously, we brought in a few players that, from, <clears throat> that he had had previously at Everton. And I remember speaking to them and they said he's, he's very different. Yeah. He's very, very, very different to what he was at. Because they described him as that character, the fiery Scottish guy that yeah. could get really angry and demanded so much. Stephen Pienaar um, said exactly the same yeah. to me. We, we spoke to him a few months ago and he mm. said he was, he was really different. Yeah. And I, for me, when I think about it, I, I can only see one reason for it. Um, Experiences. Being, being hurt, yeah. Maybe lacking energy. Yeah. And did he try his best? Yeah, of course. I'm sure he tried his absolute best. Why wouldn't anyone try his best? Um, did I get along with him as a as a man? Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think he was really hurt. I don't think he had the energy to that's required to being in a difficult situation as we were, and probably to to stay in the league that year with with everything. Yeah, we probably would have had to do something very very good for for what we had. Um, but that's my opinion. Yeah, with the end of that season came your departure as well. Mm. Now, to be honest with you, I, I was searching everywhere to see if you were you were offered the contract at that point or whether you decided to leave. What mm. was the situation regarding you leaving? It kind of... Um, I wouldn't say I was offered a contract as such. I wouldn't say I wasn't offered a contract as such. Yeah, there, was, there was discussions. Um, there was, I think there was discussions quite early on and then they kind of went cold. Um, which when I look back at it now, I can understand that situation with everything that was going on uh, upstairs. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, like you said, we got relegated, um, went away. There was you sort of, um, there was an offer made kind of mouth to mouth, not written, not yeah, sitting down in that yeah. sense. But I think at that point, um, me personally, I kind of, 
made a decision that it was time to move on. Um, and I, my belief is that with the way the last couple of seasons had been, or well definitely, yeah, I'd say for me personally, the last couple of seasons, I think I would have made that decision regardless of whether we stayed in the league or not. Yeah. I think it was my time to, to move on. Uh, you get to a point where you, where I felt I needed to do that. Um, so yeah, I think regardless, I think I would have moved on. Um, you never know. But, um, and I remember it was tough. It was tough moving. It was tough for me. It was tough for my family. Um, because you felt, and I felt so, so at home. So in a perfect world, I would have loved to have stayed. Uh, and that's honestly the truth. I, I could have still been there if, if, yeah. if you're talking in the perfect world. Because there was nothing that, nothing surrounding or things that made me want to leave. Mm-hmm. The other way around made me want to stay and, and relive some good memories up there. Um, but yeah, just the way the last couple of seasons have been, uh, I felt like, you know, I, was, I wasn't young anymore. Um, I felt like I had to, uh, I had to try and do something else um, after a tough few years. Yeah, so that's the way it happened. It's been sort of proven throughout the conversation we've had today, and I felt like I kind of knew this. There's a famous quote from Niall Quinn about someone getting under his skin mm. in other clubs. Mm. I really feel like you're someone mm. that you can see that you can yeah. see someone's there with you. Yeah. I know you hear a long time, but it was instant. You felt. Yeah. What is it about someone that gets under a professional football player's skin? Well, for me personally, I think it was it was just, uh, I guess, the people around the place and the fans, ultimately. Um, I felt really welcome when I got there. Um, the, the, the way we got the backing and you saw what it meant to people. Um, it's hard to say exactly what, but everything... And I mean this, everything felt good um, on, a, on a professional level and for me, which is very important for me, my family. Um, it was always, always great. I've spoken to my wife about it. Uh, you know, she can come to me and say, oh, I missed the times when we went to the Stadium of Life for games and, and so on. Um, so, yeah, no, it, it, it's come to, it's, it's the f- of my former clubs, it's the first club results I look for. For sure. And like I said, I want, I want to go back to the Stadium of Light, which you can obviously do regardless of what league they're in. Um, I will do. But I think the, the, the club, the fans, the city deserves better football um, than at the moment. But like I said, I've spoken to Katz and he, he seems really positive about the feel around the place. Yes. He said that quite early on in the season. And that made me happy because it was a... It was a dark feel around the place. It, was, it wasn't, and I and I guess when I left, it much have, must have become even even worse. With what, what happened? I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I felt like it was a dark sort of cloud hanging over the place before when I left. But um, touch wood, things turn for the better because there's so much there's so much possibility up there, and, and, and there's so much power up there if you get things right. Uh, I mean, the, the, the club can be flying again. And I'd love nothing more than to be sat at the Stadium of Light in the stands watching Premier League football. See someone win. I'll be shouting my head off. Seth, thanks very much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Appreciate it.
Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDag, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDag is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDag, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.